The UDR cast is not affiliated and does not represent any 12-step fellowship. I, Bill Ward, the host of the UDR cast, will be sharing my experience and my journey of recovery. That does include, but is not limited to, the literature contained in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps. Our guests will be sharing their own path to recovery and what has worked for them. The UDR cast encourages and supports all paths to recovery. Welcome everybody to the UDR cast. UDR stands for Uncover, Discover and Recover. My name is Bill Ward and I'm coming to you from the recovery capital of Canada, Calgary, Alberta. Here we are going to discuss everything recovery, different perspectives, different experiences, both with the people I know and with others from around the world. If you resonate with anything you've heard on this episode today, we ask that you share it with anyone who you think may benefit from it. If you have any questions or comments, please find us at billward.life and send us a message in the info section. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you are interested in more recovery content, you can find the buttons for the YouTube channel and other social media outlets on the homepage, and you will be redirected to those platforms. We can recover. One person, one family, one community at a time. Right on. Welcome. So today, my guests are my two youngest daughters. I have uh, Jillian and Lucy here. Jillian's my youngest daughter. She's just going to turn 18 in, a, in September. And Lucy just turned 20 this last month, a couple weeks ago. And uh, so, yeah, it's awesome to have my girls here. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having us, Vaj. We're glad to be here. <laughs> so today, uh, we don't really know what we're doing, but, you know, I think it's a good opportunity. We know there's a lot of families out there. So I think my goal today is to maybe hit the families and, and maybe children of alcoholics and, you know, have the alcoholic or addict who's listening to maybe relate and and get some hope from from our story. Um, do you girls have any intention of what you would like this podcast to, to reveal or what would happen out of it, Lucy? Maybe like uh, what happened and how we're like getting through it and how our lives have changed already, like in a, the best way possible. Jill? Um, for me, probably just like the struggles and everything that we have overcome and that a lot of families also have to like go through and overcome as well. Awesome. Okay, so I'll kind of maybe lead this off here. So, you know, just for anybody that hasn't heard, um, there will be a podcast coming up where I will be sharing my whole story. Um, it will be getting edited here soon, but uh, just quickly in a nutshell, you know, I uh, on my journey, you know, being half First Nations, I spent a lot of my early years of my life not really wanting to be First Nation. Um, I remember somebody really close to me when I was young telling me, you know, because you are different, meaning First Nations, uh, different skin color, and the perception of First Nations people, at least in Canada, 
is not the best. Um, this person said, because you're different, you're going to be treated differently. And I didn't really understand even what that meant at a young age, you know, but I did understand that I didn't want to be first nations, but I didn't think about that when I was little, I just look back at it and I can see the patterns of my life. And I pretty much ran away from it. So, you know, years go on and, you know, I live my life and, you know, there was a lot of alcoholism and I didn't grow up with my parents until grade three. I started living with my mom. Um, as my grandma raised my brother and I for the first few years, basically. And uh, and then, you know, I, I remember I kind of got to a turning point when I was like 14 or so going like, what the fuck's the point? Looking around the world and kind of not feeling great inside, but knowing that, you know, I got to live. But I didn't really get it. And I didn't really understand what the point of life was. But being a teenager, you're always exposed to drugs at some point. I can found weed, found alcohol, found some other drugs. And, you know, I found something that actually was pretty cool in my life. And that worked for a number of years. Um, really, all I was doing was masking some of the some of the other issues and some of the belief systems that society taught me. But it fucking really took me down a bad road. You know, there's a lot of violence in my teenage early 20 years there was in and out of jails there was treatment center at 17 there's you know I can't remember a lot of the really good things in my life because I think a lot of things were really masked by the terrible destructiveness of addiction um, yes I can remember some good times too don't get me wrong but they were all they were in between all the blurry and blackout times of you know between 16 and 22 and then I quit drinking at 22 unbeknownst to me I didn't really know I had a spiritual sickness and I think that's really what this podcast I really want to bring that forth on this podcast you know the drugs and the alcohol are symptom of deeper rooted issues like spiritual issues right and uh, the substance of drugs and alcohol once that kind of is put on the shelf like it was for me when I was 22 I'd actually prayed and quit drinking I started working and I was a workaholism. I was a workaholic and I ended up manifesting my illness into workaholism and status and shiny things. And, but I was totally untreated. And in these early years of building this business, you know, I met my wife, common law wife, Shannon, and, uh, who she put up with my anger and all my, my uh, discontentment for a good many years, right? I was with her for pretty much close to 15 years and she put up with pretty much untreated alcoholism through that whole time. But in those early years we had, you know, Shannon had already come with Lila, my oldest daughter, she was two. And then shortly after a few years later, Lucy was born. And then, you know, a couple years later after that, Jillian was born. And by this time, my business was doing well. I had started that business. It was doing well. We had a really beautiful house on a road called Paradise Road. Um, and seemingly everything was going pretty good. And in many respects, it was going pretty good. You know, I was living a life that I, I didn't think I could live. And I had an abundance of money. And we didn't really struggle for, for much, right? Shannon was a stay-at-home mom. And I just worked. And I worked like a lot, like fucking 15 hours a day seven days a week for pretty much the first five years and 
didn't take any holidays and things like that. But I really do believe that Creator put Shannon in my life for a reason to help soften me because she was such a soft person and really, really nice. And, and I needed to soften up. And then Creator gave me three daughters, which really also softened me up. Um, took a lot of the rigidity off, but, uh, you know, so through those early years, girls, where I was working and you guys were little and mom would spend the time with you and take you to the bus stop and spend all that time with you, right? There was a lot of person-to-person -person time she spent with you, and, and I would see you guys after work, and I don't remember, Lucy, when you were first born, I wouldn't even see you for like a week at a time. And I remember one of the first thoughts I ever had was like, you were in your crib, and I saw you one day and then like five days later I I got to see you because I was home for a bit that one day and I just realized I realized I'm like holy shit she's always gonna be here <laughs> she actually needs us she's like a helpless little baby and she's gonna be here always and it was like it was a weird feeling it was a cool feeling but it was a weird feeling right because I'm at the core, I'm selfish and self-centered. And to see that, like, you needing us and being dependent, and you're just there fucking needing what you need, it was, it was quite an experience. So what do you guys remember as little kids growing up? And just for the listeners, I did smoke weed through the next 13, 14 years. I did do a little bit of mushrooms, and I did do a little bit of acid, but I'm going to say weed was pretty much primarily my main drug. That was what gave me the ease and comfort for my untreated alcoholism along with the work and the status and the shiny things. Um, so what do you remember, Lucy and or Jill, about, you know, those early years? And, and just kind of take us through there. What was it like? Um, well, I remember going to my grandparents' house every weekend so that you and my mom could have, like, time to yourself. And then over a couple of years of doing that, I started asking my mom, why don't you and Papa get married? Because uh, my grandpa was my best, he was like the only father figure I really did, I was like connected to because he was just super thoughtful and stuff and I didn't see my dad a lot. So I was just so confused as to why my grandpa and my mom didn't get married. Cause I was like, they're perfect. They love me both so much. It's like a perfect little family. But then, um, Throughout like the experience, it was uh, if you were home, you're kind of pissed off and just fucking mad all the time or yelling. I heard a lot of the times you and mom screaming through my and Jill's shared bedroom. And then we'd come into the room and my mom would try to stop crying. And then you would take off somewhere. And uh, but there was one time. How old, how old were you at this, this point? This was like so seven to up okay uh one time before i was like seven it was when i was playing barbies i really i remember this point in time because it really stood out to me you were just about to go to work and i wanted to play barbies with you and so this is like the first and only time i think me and you had ever played barbies and i felt awkward obviously because i've never played with a boy let alone an adult boy and then uh but I, I really appreciated that you did spend the time to play Barbies with me because I have never forgotten. And um, it was quite fun, actually. 
but uh I remember whenever you had the chance and you were in a good mood, you would play with me and Jill on the trampoline and stuff and you'd have a puppet show, you'd have this camel and you'd always bring it into our room and stuff. And so that was fucking pretty cool. But uh, you were very fucking mad all the time, whether it was about work or the fucking hockey game or my mom or my sister or me or Jill or our messes or the, or the fucking dog. You weren't so happy with the dog a lot of the time. And we, whenever you weren't there, we'd always sneak her up onto the couches. And then you'd come home with the dog hair all over the couches and you'd just fucking lose your shit. And uh, for my earlier years, I think that's a lot of what I remember. And on the camping trips, I thought you and mom were always just tired. I was like, why the fuck are they so tired all the time? And then I find out now, you guys were stoned out of your guys' minds. And now I'm like, hey, that makes a lot more sense. Rather than just being fucking just tired of shit. Okay. Um, Jill, what do you remember about being little and growing up into those earlier years? Um, well, I don't really remember like a whole lot. Uh I'm not too sure why. I just don't really remember a whole lot. But same with Lucy. I remember like being in our bedroom and just hearing like my mom cry and my dad yell. That was like a constant thing. It's terrifying. Yeah, it was it was a constant thing and like trying to fall asleep or like being woken up by it. And then like just that was pretty <laughs> intense. Um, or trying to go into their room at night and then my dad getting mad at me and telling me to leave because didn't want me in his room because they were smoking weed <laughs> and so I also remember they'd be like downstairs watching tv or he would be in the living room and I'd sit at the top of the stairs like when I was supposed to be in bed and just watch him <laughs> watching tv because I wanted to be watching tv too but it was supposed to be my bedtime um I also remember I really only saw him when he came home from work and, like, the most vivid memory I have, probably because I've seen it, like, a thousand times, is him, like, standing at the sink while yeah. we're all at the table washing his hands with, like, the sunlight dish soap. Um, and then him sitting down for dinner, and then we eat dinner, and then he goes into the living room and does paperwork. But I also remember him, like, jumping on the trampoline with us lots and, like, like double bouncing us he would use our head as like a basketball on the trampoline and bounce us up and down um or like making us a fort out of like the bobcat stuff i don't know if him or his workers did that but that would also that happened like every winter they would like clear our driveway and put it all the snow in a pile and we'd make forts and stuff um but he was pretty angry a lot a lot of the time like 75% of the time, but there was still that 25% where he wasn't angry. He was, like, really nice and caring and would, like, do a lot of stuff with us. You know, you guys are kind of um, seeing some of the behaviors of me being a pothead and, you know, you're describing untreated alcoholism to a T, the restless, irritable, discontented. No one's really doing anything the way that I wanted it done. And then I always have an opinion. Um, I think part of that opinion came from a societal belief system that I am the man and I make the money and you guys should kind of do what I say because 
I'm at the top of the food chain in the household, which is a fucking retarded belief system because relationships aren't actually built that way. But it's a societal belief system that I fucking didn't know I had that I lived with. Right. I think I'm the breadwinner. So kind of, you know, roll, roll the way I want it. <coughs> anyway, <clears throat> kind of moving on. So then we, you know, we, we spent a lot of time after a number of years, your mom convinced me that I need to start taking vacations. And I remember the first time she asked me to start taking Sundays off. I was pretty pissed because she was interfering with me and my life and what I'm doing and my clients and my building of this company. And don't you see what I'm doing for you? And like the selfish self-centeredness was all over it. And then it was the same when she asked me to take holidays at about seven years in. And I remember the first time we took holidays, we went to Park Lake and it was a 10 day holiday and I couldn't stop working from holidays for like the first four days. But then on like the fifth and the sixth day, I started to mellow out. And then the seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th day, I actually relaxed and I, I had another little spiritual awakening. I was like, holy shit, this is fun to just relax and hang out with my kids and fish and swim. We were at that beach and shit. And, and that was kind of big because the next number of years we started taking vacations and we started doing some shit, right? We had, we had our boat, we got our boat and uh, we went and did a lot of fun stuff. Mind you, all the while we would pull over on our trips and me and mom would always go and smoke some dope. Or check the tires, as you would say to us. Yeah, let's check the tires, Shannon. And you know, that means let's smoke some dope. And, and we would always smoke dope. Like it was, we, I wouldn't even go camping without it. I wouldn't even do anything without weed. Like it actually controlled my whole life, even though I wasn't using hard drugs or, or alcohol anymore. When I look back, you know, people say weed's not addictive. It's totally addictive. Not only is it totally addictive, it actually, when I look at it, was the gateway drugs, drug to all the other shit that I did. Um, so, you know, weed's not as innocent as, as people think it is. It still mind and mood alters me. And that's what I'm looking for. I like that effect, right? I don't, I don't want to be in reality. I need something. So then we kind of keep moving on in our lives. And I remember when I made an amend to you, Jillian, and I'm six years sober now, six and a bit years sober. And, and you had said to me, when are you going to make your amend to me? Aren't you supposed to make amends in your program? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you haven't even made an amend to me yet. And then I'm like, yeah, you're right. And I had made a living on amend, but I never made a direct amend to you. And then last year I set it up with you and we went, for that drive and and I remember saying to you okay I'm like fucking really sorry that I wasn't really there for you in my first year recovery because after I lost the house and lost the business and lost all our money and you guys were kind of like bouncing around homeless essentially you guys had to go live with nanny you and your mom and your sister had to live with nanny our old nanny in her little what two bedroom house. And uh, so I didn't spend much time with you guys in that first year as I was focusing on trying to stay away from smoke and crack. And I was trying to fucking get well so that I could actually be healthy. And so I'm making the amend with you five years later. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm sorry that I wasn't there for that first year. And I'm sorry that I was not all there for the second year. And 
And I thought that the third year was pretty good. And the fourth year and the fifth year, and I've been trying to do the living amend. And you had said to me, what about the three years before you left the family home? And you had said, like, you weren't even really fucking around, right? Can you describe to our listeners, like, and when you guys talk about me, I'm right here. So just say you, because I'm right here. Like, can you describe what it was like? in those years like you didn't know i was addicted to crack you didn't know what i was doing you would just see that i wasn't really involved or whatever can you describe that to me and and maybe i haven't even heard all this before but what was that like and remember that amanda and you said that Mm -hmm. can you describe that yeah well kind of like before this is like before the around like the okotoks when we moved to okotoks and then the two years before right like Mm -hmm. a couple years yeah well It was a little weird because that's when he really started to like be more absent like he was always kind of absent but like it was like more yeah yeah you were gone more so and so we started me and my mom and my sisters well not really my oldest sister but me and lucy we started to do a lot more stuff with other people so my mom had this friend and who lived on an acreage like right by our house and she was also really sick but she was really nice and she had kids around the same age as us and we would all go on camping trips and my uncle so your brother would come with us too and then we started realizing that we were spending more time with our uncle than with our dad like with you and so we started to call our uncle uncle oh yeah we started calling our dad uncle dad because something like that and we because we saw uncle dan way more than we saw you and he was like completely different from you he was like the opposite he was like he was nice he was caring he was thoughtful he wanted to do stuff with us and he like truly meant it like it nothing seemed forced he wanted to be there with us in that moment like no questions asked where with you it wasn't it didn't feel that the same it was like everything kind of felt forced and you just didn't you'd rather be doing something else than be doing that stuff with us but that was in like the last like three years before he got clean but the first couple years before that it was like really weird I don't really remember a lot but I just remember you like being gone for like three weeks at a time and then coming back for a couple days and we try and make the best of like the four days or the week that we had but it was still like you were still focused on work and wanted to do work where you were sleeping in or you just didn't really want to be doing a whole lot and which was not quite like you and I didn't understand why you weren't working why you didn't own your own company at that time that didn't make sense like it's like you moved from owning your own company to not and then I remember you getting clothes at the thrift store like you got like a few shirts at the thrift store and I was like what I was like, this is so unlike you. I was like, you're not that type of person, like, or especially my mom. My mom, like, preferably likes brand new things. She doesn't mind used things, but, like, we always had everything brand new. Um, Hardly anything, like, ever had me down. And so I thought that was really, like, abnormal because I wasn't used to you being like that. Um, so that was like a big change because then I started to notice you started dressing differently because you had a different job, but I didn't understand that. I didn't know that you had a different job. I thought you still worked 
at your business. But then you started, I just started spending less and less time with you and more and more time with other people who normally it just wasn't, like it wasn't like that. My mom didn't really have too many friends growing up, like of her own. And so I never did that. And then we started hanging out with them. And then one day my mom's friend, who is a lot like my dad, they got in like a huge fight and it was like, two people just going like head to head and it was crazy because I've never seen someone match my dad's anger or level of rage before uh, nor stand up to him the way that this girl did which was like a big wake-up call because I I didn't even think that that was possible that someone could do that um, because none of us ever did that like ever we never because we didn't want confrontation we didn't want the fight we didn't want to be sad and cry or we didn't want like our day to be ruined so a lot of the time I found that we would just like try and calm you down like not say things but she didn't care she just went all for it and that was pretty crazy but and then we didn't see that family again for a long time and then my relationship with my uncle kind of stopped after that too not a whole lot but a little bit And I never understood why you and Uncle Dan never really got along either because I just didn't understand it. I really didn't get that because I was like, me and Lucy are so close. Like me, Lucy and Lila, like I could never not have like the relationship that you have with your brother with my sisters because we've just, we're just not like that. But then I also understand your past. Now that I get older, I start to understand but even now, I'm like, well, you guys were both sick, so I, I don't see... I, I still have struggles seeing a lot of the things, but it was... It was just like... He was just gone a lot of the time, and a lot more than he normally was, a lot more distant and quiet, not as active, not wanting to do a lot more things, um, being on his own a lot, and me, Lucy, and my mom and my sisters, like, yeah, us being on our own a lot and doing things with us. And then, yeah, that's kind of what. And then that's when me, my sister, and my other sister and my mom started to talk about you guys getting, like, you guys breaking up was, like, the last, like, couple years of the relationship because we really started to notice that things were changing and it wasn't okay for either of you because, well specifically for my mom and we would just think about like oh what it would be like if they broke up um but it never really went farther than that I never actually thought it was going to happen until it happened when they got in a huge fight one day and my dad stood at the top or at the bottom of the stairs and I was at the top of the stairs and he was like your mom yeah your mom's leaving me And then I ran upstairs and started crying in my room. And then he came back up and he said something I don't remember. And yeah, that was pretty much the extent. And I never actually thought it was going to happen, but it happened. (laughs) So kind of what you're describing is typical of the alcoholic addict. And yes, this time it was me. We, like I started separating myself from you guys, you know, you saw me just start disconnecting and what was I doing? Well, 
I was obsessing about drugs and trying to fucking fit using drugs in between the time that I had to be at home and be a family guy, but I couldn't be myself because I was so fucked up and consumed with this drug that I was trying to hide but couldn't stop using. So I'm in the garage, I'm pretending to put away tools, I'm pretending to do this, I'm pretending to go to work, I'm pretending to fucking all these things. And even in the last years of running my business, I was actually struggling to run my fucking business because I couldn't fucking run it because I was in between smoke and crack. Trying to fucking not see my employees, trying to manage this shit from the phone and not seeing my clients and customers. And to your mom and to you guys, it just looked like the business was falling apart. You guys didn't really know because you were pretty young. And, uh, but it was... Yeah, it was fucking like I was losing who I was and I was was losing you guys and I was pushing your mom aside. I wouldn't sleep next to her in the bed and I look back at it today and I would start arguments and shit so that I could actually be disconnected from her so I could use. And it wasn't because I hated her or didn't like her because I fucking... I just wanted to use and I didn't know what was happening inside of me or fuck all. And yeah, it was a crazy, terrible downward spiral that took, you know, from the time I started smoking crack. It very much seemed like it, but you were just screaming at him and none of us even knew. Ty didn't know we were there and we didn't know Ty was there until you heard him start swearing and shit. And you got mad at him for saying what he was saying around your fucking kids. But to be fair, he didn't know we were there. It just happened to be coincidence that we were in the same spot at the same time. And then that ruined your guys' relationship for a long time. Yeah, and that's just another example of me being the actor trying to run the show, right? I have a trucker mouth and I've done exactly what he did. But to me, what he did wasn't right. And then so I had the self-righteous attitude to tell him how it was and, and I had no right. But again, I'm living in untreated alcoholism and untreated alcoholism looks like anything but alcoholism you know it looks like anger it looks like rage looks like judgment looks like contentment looks like let's buy this let's get that it's like the substance becomes different and uh but i'm also using substances behind this and i am a ticking time bomb and uh you know through those years where i was working for somebody else because i had lost the company I was using with impunity out there and uh, I could use and go to work and I was the only, I was the boss so I could always just do whatever I wanted. I was a safety guy but I was fucking tweaking out. I was the construction manager and I was not healthy. You know, I wasn't using at work but I would use all night to the point where I couldn't stay awake during the day, right? Yeah, it was totally unmanageable. And so, you know, I come into recovery and I finally find a solution. I finally ask my dad if he could take me to a meeting and he does. And then I get into recovery. And now I'm six and a bit years in. And, you know, I think my opinion is I've had like profound psychic change. I am not the guy I was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And I'm definitely not the guy I was when I was raising you guys, you know, um, can you guys describe like what it's been like for you to go through 
the six years of recovery as my daughters and maybe some of the changes for the positive or for the negative that you have seen in me or yourself over the last six years, Lucy? Once you started going to treatment, I had just began, I believe, grade 10 or... It wasn't treatment. It was just the program. The program, sorry. Um, I was in grade 10 and I had no idea. You, we weren't living with you at all at the time. Barely saw you really. And then uh, I was always the kid that never wanted to do anything because I was raised in a Catholic school. So I thought if I did anything bad, I was going to hell. But then in grade 10, I started realizing that that's all fucking bullshit. Like that's not, that's not the way life works. You can't just be terrified of everything. And so I was never really open to trying any type of drug until I found out that my dad had smoked crack. And then I started smoking weed and I started smoking weed like almost instantly every single day once I tried it. And then my friend, my best friend, started judging me fucking hard. So I start hiding it from her. And then in grade 11, I started doing coke because I didn't, I just didn't give a fuck. If my dad can do all this shit, I can too. And I was very resentful towards the program because whenever I was with him, he would talk about the program and how good his life is. And I'm like, well, mine's fucking shit. So fuck you and fuck the program too. But that's not how I should have been thinking. But once I realized that I didn't like thinking all the time, I started finding, I tried to find like the more um, dumbing down drugs, I'd say. So like Xanax, uh, Zopaline, more sleeping pills and shit like that, just to not feel anything. And then in the morning, I'd wake up and then smoke myself back to sleep. And I was really struggling with my dad's relationship with me. It'd be fine when we were together because he kind of stopped talking about the program but then when I was with him, not with him, I just talked shit about him because I couldn't fucking believe, or I talked shit about you because I couldn't believe like why, why you're so fucking happy and there's no nothing for me. And then uh, I almost didn't graduate school, which was very scary for me because then I'd have way less opportunities than I do right now. And I went through an incident from being so fucking oblivious to all the shit around me that really knocked my head in. And then I had another incident that fucking knocked me to the ground a month later and it just like destroyed me. So I slept in bed and did Xanax for like seven months straight. And then I had a spiritual awakening and I started realizing that my dad's actually happy and he's not fucking gonna put this on me. It's all about me. Like if I want to make myself happy, I have to do it for myself. And so I asked my dad if I could uh, start doing the steps um, with his best friend because his best friend was if I couldn't do the steps with my dad I wanted to do it with his best friend because his best friend was fucking smart he's a fucking genius just like my dad with this shit and so I've started doing that and okay hold on so you're at the point where you asked me to do the steps um, you kind of described some of your own struggles with your own drugs and your own feelings and resentments and all that kind of thing and kind of just following suit right um jillian can you walk us through what it was like in the first five six years of my recovery and get to the point where lucy's at well 
the first couple of years, like the first year, I didn't see him at all. I like to think that my mom tried to keep me so busy with sports and school and everything that I didn't even realize that you weren't there. And I didn't realize it. It didn't, I had my other friend in cheer who her dad wasn't there. Like she didn't know her dad at all. And so we'd always make jokes that like, oh yeah, no, we don't have a dad. Like happy Father's Day, mom, because you just weren't around. And it was just like, it was so, it was almost normal because I was so used to you not being there for the couple of years before that too, before you started your recovery. And so it just like eased into you not being there. And the first year I hardly ever saw you. And I remember when I did see you, you looked completely different. Cause you were like, you were fairly like fit growing up and like while I was younger. And then you started to put on a little bit more weight and you started to look a little different. And that was, that was confusing. I didn't understand why, but I didn't really care. And then the second year I started to see you a little bit more, but still not, not a lot, like at all. And that I was in grade seven at that point. And then I noticed, like I started doing bad in school, um, but not terrible, just like not how I was before. Yeah, and then Lucy, and then once I got into like about grade eight, so his third year of recovery, your third year of recovery, um, I didn't really find that I like fit in with my grade because I am a year older because I was put in late. So I don't, I still don't find that I like fit in with the people who are in the same grade as me and are around my age. Um, probably because I started going to parties with Lucy like every single weekend pretty much and hanging out with all of Lucy's friends and doing like everything that they did except I wasn't smoking weed. I didn't want to smoke weed. I refused to smoke weed. They always tried to get me to smoke weed and I didn't want to do it. And because I saw how it affected Lucy, um, which was to me, I just didn't want that for myself. Not that it, I knew I couldn't stop Lucy from doing it, but I knew I didn't want that. And then I remember or in like grade eight or seven, Lucy accidentally told me because she thought that I knew that you had a crack addiction, but I didn't know. I had no idea. I didn't, I didn't even know why you were gone. And so Lucy's the one who told me that you were addicted to crack. And I had no idea what crack was. I like, I heard the word, but I didn't, I had no idea what it was. And so then I started, I just slowly found like more information. I don't know how, but I slowly started to figure out what crack actually was and what it does to people. And that when I see people downtown that are like, like freaking out and people call them crackheads, that's because they're on crack. And I was like, oh, and I was like, so that's the drug that you were doing, but I had no idea. And so then that started slowly started to affect me. And I started to put on this persona that I was like a little badass, but still not smoking weed, but I was drinking and I was the, I was more of a drinker than Lucy at that time. And I found, and me pretty much more than I'd say most of our friends, yeah. I was, yeah, I was like a miniature alcoholic in grade eight. And I remember there was like two months where me and Lucy got like drunk every single weekend, sometimes like twice a week. And I know it's not that bad, but it was so out of the normal for me because I'd never done that stuff before. And then 
once I stopped drinking. To put it into perspective, she was like chugging back half bottles of uh, two six of vodka and she was fucking fine. Yeah, like I, I was drinking like I could handle them pretty much handle the most liquor. <sighs> Me and our other friend, we were like vodka was our choice of drink every single time we'd buy a two six of vodka and we split it in half and we'd both drink half of it pretty much that night and if not the next night and then my other friend my friends who were in my grade started thinking that I was like not they didn't they started to like not like me because I was so advanced in partying and hanging out with all these older people and like at that time I was like Lucy's friends, a couple of her friends were driving and none of my friends in grade eight were driving, obviously. And so they all thought that I was like super intimidating and people my age started getting scared of me because my sister was scary. And so I hung out with my sister. And so everyone thought that we were scary because I realized that like, I was like, well, fuck it. I was like, I don't really care. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. It doesn't matter. I'm only like 14. I can do what I want. I still have like a lot of years to like grow up. Yeah, we had we called it like we called our house like the little trap house. Cuz it was. And then my friends started to like not like me and like disagree with a lot of my choices and I was like, "Okay, whatever." And I'm like, "You haven't been through anything." And I'm like, "Your dad doesn't have an addiction." But not knowing anything about them and not knowing anything about their lives and they don't know anything about my life either, so they don't know why I'm doing all of this and I don't know why yeah, I don't, I don't know why they don't understand. And I don't care that they don't understand. And then in grade nine, I started to, I think, I started to see you a little bit more. And I remember I called you and I was really sick. Like I was actually like sick. Like I had like bronchitis or something like that. And I lost my voice and everything. And I, like I was at school and I knew I shouldn't have been at school. And my mom said I had to call you if I wanted to skip school like if not skip school if I could go home because if I you would get mad if I didn't go to school and so my mom would always make me ask you and then you just told me to pray on it you're like pray on it pray on it and I just started bawling my eyes out in the stairwell of school and I remember Abby like giving me a hug and she's like it's okay Jill as I'm standing there and I'm like my voice I can't even say here in class because I'm too embarrassed because like I my voice is gone like it is not there I'm like here <laughs> and it's like really bad and you just told me to pray on it and I was like oh my god I'm not fucking religious I don't believe in AA like none of that is true like can I just go home I don't need to pray on being sick and then that year I started to smoke weed because every time I got drunk sometimes I would like I was very adamant on not smoking weed but sometimes when I got drunk I would grab Lucy's bong and smoke a little bit of weed and Lucy hated that but yeah I really didn't want to do drugs because I knew how it affected you and Lucy and also my uncle and you guys were like the three main people of my life and so I just didn't, did not want to go down that path. I didn't like the way that they affected me. Like, I didn't like what they did. And I didn't like seeing you guys on, like, drugs, especially Lucy. And then Lucy, I was having my 15th birthday party. And 
I had a couple of like my cheer friends over and Lucy's friends were over and then yeah Lucy's guy friends and then they brought like this big bag of weed and like none of us have ever seen weed and I'm like wow I'm like because I knew that my dad used to dabble around in that and I was like kind of like I got like a reminder that was like kind of looked like my dad and like when he was a teenager like I bet that this is what you were like and so me and my friends were taking pictures with the weed because we couldn't believe it and then this one guy went upstairs and I was like Lucy I was like he just went upstairs like just be careful because I didn't want them to steal anything I didn't want them to do any of that and Lucy goes upstairs and ends up doing a line of coke and I try to get mad at her and she wouldn't let me get mad at her because I don't know why and anyways then at that point I started to realize I was like okay if my dad can do whatever the fuck he wants and I'm like and Lucy can do whatever the fuck she wants and I'm like then I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want because it doesn't fucking matter because like we're all gonna die eventually like some sooner than others and I'm like we're it's like everything's like a simulation but so then I started smoking weed and pretty much once I started smoking weed I started smoking a lot of weed like Lucy uh not quite the same it took me a little longer to get into it but then once I got into it I like I was like Lucy pretty much it was almost like I had been smoking just as long as her and still like like really upset with my dad and being like okay I like I don't have a dad he's not really there for me he wasn't really there for me my entire life and I'm like stuck in my own self-pity with how you treated me growing up not that it was everything was bad but it also wasn't the best and so then what happened yeah so then like grade 10 I started smoking a lot of weed because of how I perceived my dad and how I thought that when he was younger I thought that was cool I thought like doing all of that was cool so I was like okay well I want to be cool so I'm going to be cool and so I started doing all of that started making like all my friends smoked weed and it was like I don't know but then I always had like my dad like telling me about AA and telling me that like I'm spiritually sick or like I'm a mini alcoholic in training and I I never I was always like no that's not true and I'm like I cannot be an alcoholic and then at a point I think me and Lucy had a conversation and I was like we should just prove him right and I was like, we should just yeah. do everything that he doesn't want us to do and do it because, which we didn't really, but like, I think we, it was like a fuck you. Yeah. It was like a fuck you. Like we're going to do it. And in grade 10, I started to see him a little bit more, but it was still like a lot of resentment on my behalf, um, throughout his entire recovery because I didn't understand for the first three years of his recovery, why he couldn't explain to us where he was because I was just left in the dark without a dad not knowing like anything I didn't know where you were and it's still now I, I wish I would have gotten an explanation but I don't know how that would have affected me because you you don't you can't really explain everything to a child and so I don't know how that if I did find out at that young age why you were leaving I feel like that could have affected me more but I'm not sure and so just from watching the patterns of Anyways, Lucy turned into, like, my mini dad. Lucy was, like, <laughs> mini Bill, and... In what way? In, like, anger, 
she was so angry. Like, I'd never, other than that, like, my mom's friend who had gotten angry, I'd never seen someone get so angry at anything ever and just be so mad. Like, like my dad, exactly like my dad, like, just lose their shit and in, like, the drop of a hat with no explanation, no calming them down, nothing you can say is going to change their mind because they're stuck in, like, their own way and they are going to react how they want to react. And so even though I had gotten almost like free from my dad's anger, then Lucy's anger started to step up and it was like, what the fuck? I was like, this is crazy. This was like a big plot twist. <laughs> I was like, this isn't. <laughs> and she like started to like parent me too, which I also probably needed because I probably did. And so Lucy was exactly like you. And she wanted, and I probably from me saying that she was like exactly like you, she probably was like, that probably didn't help because I used to tell her, oh, you're, you have like the anger just like Faj, like you're just like him or you're just like this person and this person. So which probably angered her more. And anyways, Lucy started to become like a spitting image of you. Like literally you guys like had the same body type. You guys like we're literally the same person. And so, except Lucy would forgive me way faster than you would. Um, and I spent more time with Lucy. So I knew why she was angry. I didn't understand. Like, I mean, I never got that angry and I still don't get that angry, but then I started doing acid <laughs> and that, cause I didn't want to do mushrooms and that was crazy. I loved acid. That was like the best thing my entire life. And I knew that that was also my dad's like favorite drug of choice. And I was like, <laughs> just like my dad. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like you. And um, so then I started doing that and like smoking weed on it. I think, yeah. And like having like a drink in the morning, we did it while camping pretty much. And I did it. Yes, we did it twice while camping. So we were drinking during the day. And so we had to wait till we sobered up from being drunk to be able to do acid. And so we did acid. But then we'd smoke weed. And I, I don't think it really works like that. I think... <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really know how that works. But so then that was like really crazy. And I loved that. Like that, miss it. But that's fine. I don't. <laughs> and um, now, so then after I had this one acid trip that was like really intense and I absolutely hated it and I wish it didn't happen. And I just like swear I opened my third eye and everything I saw everything from a different perspective and I was like okay I was like I need to start being selfish now so I started being selfish which I hadn't been I'd been very understanding of my dad and Lucy and my mom and everyone while not really telling like them how I felt sometimes but not really just like and then I started being really mean to my mom because I started holding resentments. And then I remember my mom like calling my dad or someone was talking to you. And then you got really mad at me for being selfish. And I was like, you're right. I was like, I am being selfish. And I was like, I literally said that a month ago that I'm going to start being selfish because I wanted my own way finally after like just watching everybody else do their own thing and not care about like me per se. Not saying that they have to, but I was just like, what the fuck? And... So then I was like, okay, then we started waking up. Yeah, then you started this thing where you started waking up in the morning with me at like 7.45 before I went to school to pray with me and meditate. And at first I was like, I was like, I'm not, 
Like, I'm not praying to anything. I don't believe in anything. Like, I was a complete atheist. I knew that creator was there, but that was, I was just saying that because, like, I'm First Nations and, but it didn't mean anything to me. I didn't care that creator was a thing. I was just like, okay, that's just, like, another Jesus. But then through the, I think, three weeks of us waking up almost every single day and doing that, I started to see, um, like changes in myself and my mood and my attitude. I realized that I could calm myself down, that my anxiety wasn't as bad. And so that really helped me. And then two weeks later, I think, or I don't know how many, then we asked for, me and Lucy asked for a big book and our dad set us up with sponsors. And then we started doing that. But yeah. Okay, so we're kind of at the point where you guys uh, got a big book. You want to do this. I remember we were having a lunch over here at Phil's restaurant, and you guys had asked me, can we do the steps? And I was like, what the fuck are we talking about? Like, I was shocked, right? And, you know, you, what I remember basically was, well, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be resentful. I, I don't want to be like this anymore or whatever, and I want to I change. And, and I was like, fucking beautiful and so we went and got you guys a big book and uh you know i had said like if you guys are going to do this the only way anyone's going to help you is if you totally don't do any drugs or alcohol and you guys both said you would do it and so you have and now you're both at the point that you're at um so as you've seen me in the program and we talk a lot about the anger and talk a lot about the restless irritable discontented that I was most of my life. Um, what have you seen for changes in me? How am I different? I remember you guys saying sometimes you want like your old dad back, but then you really like your new dad. So it's kind of like confusing. Like, has there been that much of a dramatic change in me? based on the work that I've done? Uh, <laughs> yes, actually, there has been. For what you were saying about wanting your old dad and your new dad, I want my old dad back because we had, we did have, as much as there were shitty memories, there's so many fucking good ones, especially of us camping or you helping us when we had nightmares and shit. And so it's like, it's bittersweet. But then our new dad, you right now, you're fucking understanding, you help us through shit, you're calm when we're upset, which never used to happen, and you're actually able to see the right way of how we should handle things. And we're able to get along so much better now and just be ourselves. We can talk about really anything with each other. Obviously, there's some limitations, but fucking anything's on the table. Even though, like, you may not like to hear it, you'll still fucking listen. You listen is the thing. You're not angry anymore. Not, you can get angry, but it's not even close to the fucking side that you used to get. You are a new man, Bosh. And it's, it's really, I'm really proud of you, like I've said before. And I'm really impressed. And that's what I, I couldn't believe that if you could change, then fucking this little puny piece right here, me, I can fucking change. I've only been in my own way for like five years. So, it was like really, it was inspiring almost. You're like my role model to see that uh, that big of a three, or not 360, 180. 180, because you're, you're not the same. And you're able to help people rather than put them down now, which is really impressive. And uh, you're, you're really understanding towards my mom now. 
which I really respect because at first you weren't you weren't fucking nice to my mom and I get my mom can be my mom (laughs) she's she's like that but now you understand and you're able to take accountability for what you've done and it really it that helps her that really does because at first there was nothing really it was like yeah I smoke crack I'm sorry and bye but now you're like actually taking the steps to be able to um, take accountability and then help her through her path as she's helped you through the first fucking 17 years of your path. And it's just really impressive to see that. So I remember one day uh, a little while ago, um, I took my six-year birthday and right after that six-year birthday, you came up to me and you were just saying, Dad, I want to talk to you for a second. And you said, you know, you said, I was really resentful at you for a long time. And and you said, I just want you to know that I forgive you because, you know, I wouldn't be the person that I am now if we didn't go through the experience of our life that we've been through. And as tough as some of these things have been, it's shaped me who I am today. And do you remember that? I do. I remember during my spiritual awakening, I realized that if I had a kid... I wouldn't want my kid to judge me and be resentful towards me for the things that I have done to make them traumatized or something like that. I would want them to be understanding. And so I realized it was like a ping in my little fucking head. And I'm like, shit, my dad is my dad. He's going to fucking make mistakes. He's not a superhero. And so um, I had to really realize that uh, you're human, which I didn't. You were my dad. You weren't human. You were my dad. And so I thought you could do no wrong. And then I realized that uh, it's not my place to hold resentments to you because you probably think of you at that time way less than I could have ever. And so I just realized that, yeah, everything that I've been through has gotten me to here. I'm, I'm, I'm way fucking less angry now. I'm not getting mad at all, basically. And I'm trying to keep keep it rationalized so that I'm getting reasonably mad when I need to set up limits and boundaries. And so I wouldn't know that if you hadn't taught us the things you did, if you haven't put us through the things you did. And I was, I am, I am very grateful for all that stuff. And I, it scares me for what can happen in the future. Cause I'm like, fuck, I've already dealt with quite a bit of shit, but at least now I know how to deal with more shit to come even though it's it's bound to happen. There's always gonna be shit in your life. And uh, now I just know how to deal with it, thanks to you. And I wouldn't have had that had you not put that all through us. And Jillian, what do you, what kind of changes have you seen in me for the good or for the bad, old dad, new dad? And uh, you know, and how's, how's what we've been doing affected you? Well, I still go through the stages of, like, missing how you used to be. Um, and I think I always will, but that's just, that's just, like, a part of life at this point. Um, because, like, I miss going on camping trips, and I miss, like, boating, and you fishing, and you being so passionate about hockey. But as you get farther into your recovery, I, I see you more getting into those things now like you're like finding the things that you like to do and even though like now from then you were like really angry and you got mad at like the drop of a hat but now 
you don't you like there's been some things that like Lucy or I have said that I would have expected you to like absolutely just like lose your shit on us and you haven't you've like taken a deep breath and you've like compelled yourself like composed composed yes composed yourself and have like you just you don't react to things the way you used to you come with a lot like a lot more like loving and compassion and like spirituality and you take the like those types of approaches rather than yelling and getting mad because you know that that won't that's not going to stick to someone as well as if you come across more like calm and just seeing like the way that you handle your entire life now it's completely different and i realized that like what i your old you is what i needed when i was a kid to have those memories with you but the person that you are now is who i need growing up because if i didn't if i had old you then i wouldn't be able to go through like we'd be going on camping trips instead of talking about how to get through my issues and my addictions and my struggles instead of like we wouldn't have the same relationship i wouldn't have a support system like i do now because i didn't but i didn't need it back then where now i need it i like i need someone to understand what i am going through and to help me with these things Hmm. so as we talk about like alcoholism drug addiction as like it's a family disease and as we discussed today it is a family disease my addiction affected every part of every one of your lives and and your friends' lives and your mom's life and Cowboy Silver, the dog's life. Like, I think the only person's life who's who went actually up rather than down was Cowboy Silver, my dog. <laughs> she is happy as can be. <laughs> That's right. true. Right. And uh, so as you guys have actually started working your steps, I think, Lucy, you're on step eight, eight or so, and Jillian, you're still writing out your step four. Um, but you guys have had, in my opinion, I've seen it and I've talked with your mom and we've seen, seen it. What, you know, just to the families listening out there, like this program isn't just for the alcoholic addict. It's for, it's for anybody. It's for the family. It's in the book. It says, we are sure our program has its benefits for everybody. And it really does. Cause it's a design for living. Right. And that's kind of what you guys have tapped into since you've been working the program, Jillian, what kind of things have you noticed about? about the program or about your own spirituality or the benefits of it or what can you tell our listeners about you know what it's been like about working this program for what three months almost Mm -hmm. three months tomorrow what have you seen change um well i've seen like myself change and i've noticed that i'm able to understand and not get mad at people as easily i never really did before but now i can really see and I'm able to be a lot more understanding and control that, like see that everything happens for a reason and understand that like if this happens, then I'm going to take this, this and this out of it. And if something worse than that happens, I'm going to be able to handle it because I already know how to deal with it. And the people in the program are also like really inspiring. I mean, I love the people in the program because they're people who are on the same level as you they understand they are like they know what you have gone through even if like you don't even have to explain it because everyone starts the program for a reason um whatever that is 
and to have like that just support system in that group there who understand you and get you it's like really it's really nice and it's very and your sponsor and you how do you how do you like her i love my sponsor she's really great she's uh pretty close to my age like a couple years older than me um but i see a lot of her traits in myself but i'm also able to see that like how far she's come and how many like i've heard so many people tell her that like they're like really inspired by her or that she's like super smart for like or like to have all this knowledge is crazy at her age and i'm just like wow like that's really inspiring because she's going to be able to have like a quality of life compared to how it was before the program and then i see my see that for myself too because it's like i'm able to like almost see myself in the future not quite because we're a little different but what have what have you seen in your sister um i've seen my sister completely change like she is not even close to the like she's like a 180 she's exactly like my dad um she doesn't get like we haven't got we get in fights obviously because we're sisters but we used to get in like fights where she would throw things at me or she would hit me or she'd threaten me and i tell her if you touch me i'm gonna call the police and (laughs) so now i haven't had to say any of those things in like the last like three months that she has been working in the program well yeah six months a lot has changed (laughs) in the little bit but um we haven't really gotten in fights like at all she's a lot more calm she's compelled um yes composed (laughs) so so essentially what you're saying is this program changes you from the inside out and every relationship in your life including the one with yourself is has rocketed or benefited from it yeah i've only seen i haven't seen anything really go downhill from the program like nothing from really anyone i've only seen people like get better and healthier and happier throughout the program and lucy uh what is the program in your perspective done for you your relationships and your relationship what have you seen in jillian uh for jill i've seen an incredible change like she's actually happy now and she was really sad and mad but she wouldn't act on her anger because i would always top it and i wouldn't be as compassionate as i would be towards myself for her problems and um i'm just really proud of her because she's doing it way younger than i or not necessarily way younger but she's doing it earlier than i have been and uh it's just really impressive to see the change that you wouldn't even expect especially for someone who doesn't like change i fucking hate change and i'm working on that big time and i'm accepting it and i'm realizing that change even if it's bad it's good because you're gonna you're gonna fucking be happier after once you're able to go through it and have that experience and have the story to tell about how you were able to actually deal with it rather than let it deal with you. And for me, it got to a point where I was sick and tired of being sick and fucking tired. And so that's what really hit home for me because I'm like, well, fuck, I don't wanna be stuck in my own way all the time. I'm pissing myself off at this point. And now I am, I'm happy. I haven't been happy in fucking years and I'm just blissfully happy. I have a dog now and she loves me and I love her and I have the compassion that I never thought I would for an animal, especially a dog that won't fucking listen to me, but it, it works for me because it shows me that hum- other people are just like dogs in a way 
they're not going to fucking listen to you if they don't want to. And that's fine. If they want to be stuck in their own ways, that's completely fine. But something I've also realized coming in this program is every single person on earth has an addiction to something. Whether it's addiction to eating, addiction to sleeping, addiction to shopping. Uh, like, you go out and buy things because you think it's going to make you feel better. But it doesn't. Even if it's not a substantial amount of money or a substantial amount of things. Everybody is a predispositioned alcoholic. And it may not be alcoholism. It's something of their own. And uh, to be able to get through things without without getting mad, without not understanding, with just taking it with the punches and shit is actually really fucking inspiring even for myself. And for a lot of people I've found they won't like it because it says God in the big book. Well, I fucking put it into perspective for my boyfriend that, okay, universe wasn't just made by itself. The universe is the universe. When you look outside, it's the universe. And so universe is creator, it's God, it's whatever the fuck you want it to be. It's not just God. It's whatever you feel, whatever you believe. And so that put a lot of perspective in for him because he's got lots of uh, anger towards God and shit like that. But um, it's just really impressive to see that even the people close to me are realizing, like my dad always says, it's attraction, not promotion. And my mom was not at all. She was just like me and my sister. Uh, fucking hated the big book. We did not want any part of it in our lives. Once me and my little sister started it, she started doing it because she saw how much happy we were. She saw how we were actually able to deal with things. Me and my mom got in way less fights as I started uh, the big book. Me and my boyfriend, he started realizing that, yeah, this is actually fucking smart. And none of these people in, like, they wouldn't be defined as an alcoholic, but they have different traits of alcoholism, whether it's my mom being stuck in self-pity for whatever it is, or my boyfriend being a fucking idiot sometimes. And so um, they just, they start, they both started the big book and they're uh, realizing the actual benefits from it rather than just following this little Bible is what other people say. It's not a Bible. As Jesse says, it's a textbook for living. And just like a mechanic's little uh, manual, that's exactly what it is. It's a manual for life. And so as long as you follow it, the fucking better your life will be because you know how to deal with shit and you know how to not hold on to it and be stuck in self-pity. And you realize that memories can just be memories. They're not, you don't have to mourn over them because you're always going to have good times, whether it's fucking tomorrow or next year. It's going to be, it's going to happen and you're going to love that you had those memories. And that's something I struggle with is uh, looking back and realizing like, fuck, I had such a good time then, like, fuck I was having so much fun I'm gonna have fun for the rest of my life um especially if I'm happy and not angry and not trying to dumb down myself live up to my full potential and that's kind of what this big book has taught me just like to believe in myself and know that yeah I, I'm actually way stronger than I think I am like a lot stronger than I think I am and that's what I've learned over the past couple months because I didn't realize how strong I, ha I am because I really dumbed myself down. And I love that you'd mentioned, you brought up the word God and God doesn't have to mean like we always used to think it means. It can mean whatever we want it to mean. Yeah, whether it's your dead grandma or your fucking dead puppy dog. No, for real. Yeah, no. 
and for me, it was started with my dead grandma, right? Grandma Gigi. And that's what was the basis of it. And, and like, really, you know, as we gain confidence within ourselves, we're actually gaining a deeper relationship with that, that God. And I know in the big book, and maybe you guys don't know, but there's a line in it that says, these men believe in themselves. And they believe more in the power that pulls these chronic alcoholics back from the gates of death. So as we start believing more in this power that we didn't care to believe in, but we finally say, okay, I'm going to try. We believe more in that power than we do in ourselves. And what I found through my own journey is my self-confidence, like real true self-confidence, like from within is actually dependent on how strong my relationship is with that creator. If that relationship with God deteriorates, then I start deteriorating and my quality of life. And then I start going back to like anger and all these self-destructive behaviors. And for me, if I keep going back to those behaviors, I will pick up a drink or a drug again. So, but I don't, that's not the fear of why I do what I do. I think the motivator today is I love the way that I feel and I love what the connection with my God gives me. And I love how it manifests into my relationship, like our relationship. And, you know, we call this the God dope, right? I call it the God dope. It's like, it's the best dope there ever is. So, right, right. So, you know, like, I think we're going to wrap it up, but uh, that was really, really awesome. I really appreciate you guys coming and, and being honest. And, you know, I learned some things that I didn't know before about some of the harms that I had caused and, you know, trying to live a different way of life and, and being a good dad today and being that, that strength that you need when you need it and not being judgmental and hearing that from you guys is, you know, it really means a lot to me. And, and I've also found that I'm able to be pretty vulnerable and awesome with you guys. So, you know, it's just like our relationship, I can only see it getting stronger and better and you know, for the families out there, it is a family disease and we have a family solution. And uh, for us, it's so far, it's contained out of the directions in that big book. And, you know, um, so yeah, I'm just really thankful that you guys came today and I love you guys so much. And I just look forward to growing and learning more with you guys. And and that's about it. You guys have any closing words for, for anyone? Yes, I actually have one more thing to say. Um, I was just thinking about it. I, this is kind of like off topic, but it's not really. So, some like I see my friends who struggle and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, fuck, I wish you had a parent that was in AA. Like I know just because I know how much having a parent in AA or like in this program has changed my life and I wish, I just wish it could happen for someone else. And so, yeah, because I know like the benefits and I see where these people could use the book in their life, in their day-to-day -day life. And it's just, it's almost, it's not sad, but it like kind of breaks my heart a little bit that I have to watch people struggle, especially like my closest friends because they don't have someone like my dad um, who's in the program and has the capability and the ability to help them. So, yeah. Yeah, it's almost sad seeing people struggle when you know there's a solution right here. Yeah, it's like right in front of your eyes. Right. I, I know. I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, Lucy, any final words? Yes. I, for one, 
thank you for having me here. Happy yes. to be here. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, for the families of those who are um, alcoholics or in AA or something like that, um, if you don't want to, that's fine. That just means more pain and suffering until you do kind of deal. But uh, why not? Because if you don't think it's going to do anything, just try it. Because then after the big book, then nothing changes. But if it does change, it's definitely worth that fucking shot. So that's what I'd have to say. Like, why, why the fuck not? Yeah, what do you got to lose, right? Yeah. You got everything to gain and you don't even know what it is that you're going to gain. And it's way more than you think that it ever would be or could be. And you guys are saying this at steps eight and steps four. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, imagine what your life will be like when you're done the steps and you start living this way of life like all the time. Like there's no end to this, really. So, awesome. Okay, ladies, I love you. And uh, you guys have a great rest of your day. Thank love you. you bye. We love you too. <laughs> love you more. Love you more. Love you most. Bye. Ah. What the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about? Thank you for tuning in to the UDR cast. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. The viewpoints and the opinions expressed today were solely of the individual sharing them. If you resonated with this episode, please follow us and share this link with anyone that may benefit from it. Please visit us at billward.life to see everything that we have going on. We can recover. One person one family, one community at a time.